This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Prevention of Catheter Associated Infections by Deb Morrow. Please note that in this video we will be following the guidelines used at Boston Children's Hospital. Some of this information may need to be modified based on the equipment, guidelines, and practices in place in your institution. Hi, my name is Deb Morrow. I am a Staff Nurse 3 and the Infection Prevention Coordinator for the Cardiovascular Intensive Care Unit at Children's Hospital Boston. Today I would like to talk to you about strategies that we use at Children's Hospital Boston to prevent catheter-associated bloodstream infections. Introduction The majority of catheter-associated bloodstream infections are related to the use of central venous catheters, which I will now refer to as a central line. These infections are a significant source of cost, morbidity, and mortality. Catheter-associated bloodstream infections are preventable. In fact, the incidence of these infections has been reduced so successfully that their occurrence is now considered a medical error in the United States. We all know that intravascular catheters are an important part of medical care especially in intensive care units. However, catheters place patients at risk for complications, including local site infections, bloodstream infections, septic thrombophlebitis, endocarditis, and other infections such as lung abscesses. Catheters can become contaminated in a variety of ways. They can be contaminated by the hands of doctors and nurses, the patient's own skin bacteria, entry into the intravenous system, contaminated infusions, or from a remote site of infection, such as a urinary tract infection. Clean hands are necessary when touching any part of the intravenous line. A recent study at Children's Hospital Boston identified risk factors for catheter-associated bloodstream infections in pediatric cardiac patients. These risk factors were preoperative hospitalization, patient weight less than 5 kilograms, the presence of comorbidities such as prematurity, Down syndrome, or lung disease, and postoperative blood transfusions. Before we go further, let's define what a central line is. It's an intravenous device that terminates at or close to the heart or in one of the great vessels. Common locations of central lines in pediatric patients are the pulmonary artery, lines placed in the internal jugular, subclavian, or femoral venous site, umbilical lines, both venous and arterial, and in pediatric cardiac patients, intracardiac lines that may be in the right atria, 
left atria, or pulmonary artery. A peripheral intravenous line is a short catheter, a few centimeters long, inserted through the skin into a peripheral vein. Our central line bundles address central line insertion, dressing changes, line access, and they include a daily review of need for the central line using a daily goal sheet. All of our bundles are based on recommendations from the United States Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. Central Line Insertion Bundle The Central Line Insertion Bundle includes hand hygiene, which is the basis of all infection prevention initiatives, the use of chlorhexidine for skin antisepsis, a central line insertion checklist, a central line insertion kit or cart, and the use of maximal sterile barriers. The final bundle component is to empower doctors and nurses to stop the procedure if they notice a break in sterility. Communication training may be necessary so that doctors and nurses are comfortable intervening. Their observation should be acknowledged by the practitioner and the procedure halted until the issue is corrected. Research demonstrates that chlorhexidine is a superior agent for skin antisepsis. Chlorhexidine has a 48-hour residual action when left to dry on the skin. If chlorhexidine cannot be used because it is not available or the patient has an allergy, the use of alcohol or povidone iodine remains acceptable. Allow all agents to dry completely before catheter insertion. A central line insertion checklist should include all the infection prevention practices for sterile catheter insertion. This checklist should be completed by a member of the team not directly involved in catheter insertion. The procedure should be stopped if any infection prevention practice is not observed. Our central line insertion kit includes all the supplies needed for line insertion. The use of a kit or a cart will prevent breaks in sterility, which could occur when doctors or nurses are missing supplies. Maximal sterile barriers are defined as the doctor or nurse wearing a cap, mask, sterile gown, and sterile gloves. We also include eye protection to protect the doctor or nurse from potential blood exposure. The patient must be fully draped and the sterile field established before the procedure begins. All doctors and nurses directly assisting with the procedure must also observe maximal sterile barriers. Other assistants should wear a mask if they are further than three feet from the procedure. Central line dressing change. 
We also have a bundle for dressing changes. Once again, hand hygiene is the first step of this bundle. The use of a central line dressing kit assures that the doctor or nurse has all of the supplies necessary for sterile dressing changes. At our hospital, transparent dressings are changed every seven days and gauze and tape dressings changed every 48 hours unless they become loose or soiled. Doctors and nurses wear a mask when a central line insertion site is exposed and we change our intravenous tubing every 96 hours except for lipid-based fluids which are changed every 24 hours. Blood tubing is changed with each use. There is also a central line dressing change checklist. The checklist should be completed by a member of the team not directly involved in the dressing change. The procedure should be stopped if any infection prevention practice is not observed. Central Line Maintenance Bundle We believe that catheter access is the major contributor to central line associated infections. We have created a bundle of infection prevention practices that focus on this issue. The components of the bundle include hand hygiene before touching any part of the central line, cleaning the hub and injection ports prior to access. The injection port should be scrubbed with friction and allowed to dry. It is our practice to clean the port for at least 15 seconds with alcohol and allow the port to dry before accessing the line. We also wear a mask when the catheter hub is opened to air. Limiting central line access at, by using peripheral IVs for intermittent medications is an important component to prevent central line infections. The need for central line access for blood work and medications should be discussed at rounds every shift. Central line access. Our patients arrive from the operating room with a peripheral IV in place which is used for medications frequently used in our intensive care unit. These medications such as diuretics, post-operative cefazolin, sedatives, GI prophylaxis medications, and steroids are small in volume and have minor impact on a peripheral vein. Administering these medications in a peripheral IV reduces central line access by 10 to 15 entries per 12-hour shift. We do central line access audits every year in our intensive care units. For one week on every shift, the bedside nurses document every catheter entry, arterial, central, and peripheral, and they note the reason for entry. Changing practice is a difficult task. It took us three years for doctors and nurses to routinely use the peripheral IVs for intermittent medications as opposed to the central line. By 2009, central line entries in our intensive care unit 
were reduced by more than 50%. The use of a daily goal sheet, which includes a section on indwelling catheters, is a powerful reminder to doctors and nurses to assess the need for each central line every day. Our daily goal sheet contains a column that identifies the number of days each catheter has been in place. If a catheter must remain in place, the daily goal addresses strategies for catheter removal. For example, intravenous medications can be changed to the oral form. It is important that the bedside nurse be part of this discussion and that the use of peripheral intravenous catheters versus the central line is emphasized. Conclusion Evidence-based practices can reduce central line infection rates. You should implement bundles for central line management. Assess the need for the central line every day. Observe practice for compliance with policy and feedback infection rates and the results of observations of practice to doctors and nurses. Establish policies for the insertion and maintenance of central lines. Educate doctors and nurses on central line bloodstream infection prevention. And initiate communication training, which will help staff to speak up and halt line insertion or dressing changes if sterility is broken. That concludes our video on prevention of catheter-associated infections. Thank you. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.